TuneIn is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. That clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here. On TuneIn, go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. Helping you unwind after a long day of work. Why are you rolling your eyes at me? I'm not rolling my, your, my eyes at you. The Nightcap. Makes me regret that the Flyers were so garbage early in the season. Oh, right. Anybody could be making right. noise right. Right. Yeah, so let's, let's lament about the Flyers when let's the Sabres were actually in a playoff Sabres spot Sabres for the entire Sabres. year. On WGR. Kyle, what is wrong I with you? I can't do this. Sports Radio 550. Hour two. The Nightcap. Derek Kramer, Kyle Powell. Those are the voices you heard in that goofy open there. That definitely needs to be updated as the new hockey season starts. We're getting going here. And I'm, for some reason, excited. Do I need to help guidance about why it shouldn't be normal to be excited about the Sabres starting? Or am I just that much of a hockey geek at this point that, uh, you know, I'm just excited for the Sabres season to start? No, man, you're definitely not alone. It's People are excited for very different reasons, I think, this year. You're excited for the on-ice product. There's a lot of people out there that are also looking forward to this season. I think I'm just excited for hockey. For the well, that, that, too. There's, I am there's, wearing, there's hockey. I'm there's... wearing a Halifax Highlanders jersey. I love that, by the way. <laughs> a Belchie. Yeah. That's, that's about all, all I can say, though. Yeah, that's a lot. Yeah, that's all that we're really allowed to say with that movie. <laughs> if you haven't ever watched Goon and you're a hockey fan of any sort, even the casual sort, go watch that. Because um, you're definitely late Netflix. to the party. Yeah, and you're late to the party at this point. Um, but anyway, I mean, the the anticipation, the buildup for this even, season. I mean, you make your signings, whatever. There's still probably a big move in the works. Everyone's trying to do some speculation in their due diligence. But, I mean, the off-ice product, too. I mean, the things that are happening, all the promotional nights, like it's – Yeah, that's some true. Fanfare. The promotional nights, that's, that's part of one of these reasons because they look like they're really going to knock those out of the park. And I'm really happy to see that sort of thing – coming to fruition there. Um, no, you want to see the Sabres in their black and reds and warm-ups. I do too. But I'm saying that everyone else should too. Because that would be pretty cool if they had warm-up jerseys that were different based on the themed night. That would be probably the most baller thing that you can do with your uh, with your themed nights in this one. And I think they're really just going to crush this thing. The Saber Store is already proving to be a gigantic threat to my wallet. And all this despite the fact that Rasmus Ristolainen did not get traded in the offseason, something that we were all looking forward to a potential sort of thing happening. And then Vladimir Saboko over the last couple days in practice has been in line rushes with Jeff Skinner and Marcus Johansson. That's right. You heard me correctly. Vladimir Saboka, second line, right winger. I did not stutter. And no, I'm still not worried because I think that's just kind of a temporary thing. I don't know how I'd actually feel about Saboka being on Skinner's line if the season started and that was the second line was Johansson, Skinner, and Saboka. But here's what I know I am definitely excited for. 
I am excited for Victor Olofsson. Yes, I know you have to be sure to gauge things properly and not take preseason too heavily into these sorts of things. But from the guy that I'm seeing right now, Victor Olofsson looks primed for at least a 25-goal season in the NHL. Yeah, man, his shot has been so nice to watch. His shot has always been nice to watch. He looks like he's rounding his game out more, though. That's the real interesting part to me. He's been in the right spots. He's been in the right spots, and it does help that he's got two world-class-type playmakers in Reinhardt and Eichel in order to make sure that the puck gets to him. It's absolutely one of the greatest things for a gunner to have is a passer like Reinhardt or a passer like Eichel that can distribute to you and have eyes in the back of their head with their hockey sense. And for a gunner like that, like that's why I'm still a little mystified that Eichel and Reinhardt remain together. Because I feel like if you give Skinner and Olsen each one of these elite-type playmakers, both of them will thrive. But at the same time, if that's the top line, Eichel, Reinhardt, Olsen, I'm in. Let's go. But now the big question has uh, creeped back into my mind, Kyle. We were, all, we were all talking about this thing. We were all speculating about a Rasmus Ristolainen trade. And I knew that part of the problem was none of these RFAs are signed. Jake Gardner hadn't signed. None of these dominoes have been falling into motion yet, and now we've got them. Kyle Connor and Miko Rantanen are the final dominoes that have to fall in the RFA market. Kyle Connor becomes more in particular because we've seen a lot of uh, rumors about the Winnipeg Jets being a team that has inquired about Rasmus Ristolainen. Now, there's injuries to Brandon Montour, Zach Bogosian, and Lawrence Pilot, but this group still looks like they have a deep core of defensive players that if they started the season and traded Rasmus Ristolainen, I don't think they're going to blink if they get the right return. So I'm going to ask this with one week left in the season, I mean one week left before the start of the season. Do you think something gets done? Or does he end up with Rasmus Dahlin on defensive pairing number one? I will answer both parts with different answers. I don't think things get done, and I think he is here opening night, but I don't think he's going to be with Darlene. Okay. I respect that. From what I've seen so far in the preseason, though, Ristolainen has not looked like the lost puppy that he sometimes turns into with Darlene on the ice, and it looks like the dynamic between the two looks like it's a lot better than it was last year. You couldn't really put the two of them together, and Phil Housley managed to somehow figure that out, among the other things that he didn't figure out at all. But it looks like that that duo has kind of steadied up a little bit. I'm very intrigued to, uh, to really see what this team can do this year. I'm really happy that hockey is going to be back, and trust me, I love the Bills and everything that is going on. They're 3-0. But, hey... I'm 
ready for hockey to get going too because this means that it's the start of the elite sports season. Fall has started. The Bills are 3-0. and The Sabres start next week. Peak sports time is about to engage. The baseball playoffs are around the corner. Like, here we go, Kyle. This is peak sports season. We're ready to go. Punch it. And that gets going with the start of the NHL season next week. I don't know why I feel good about this team. Maybe it's because of the fact that I just really did not like what Phil Housley was doing as a coach. Maybe it's because of the fact that I think that Ralph Kruger is an upgrade simply just because of the fact that he's not what Housley was doing, trying to put a square peg in a round hole on a nightly basis. Maybe that changes. Maybe Kruger betrays me too. I don't know. I still think that this is a... This is going to be fun because of the fact that they'll be watchable again. They'll actually be able to utilize this talent a little more properly. And then again, you see it, Saboka's practicing with Jeff Skinner on a line. It's almost like I asked to get kicked by our sports teams just in the groin area. It's like I routinely ask for it. It's like, oh, hey, you know what? We're feeling good. Nope. Ow. I'm still very happy that the season's back. And I'm very happy that the Bills are 3-0. This is pretty good feelings right now. Maybe that's what it is. If the Bills were making us a little more miserable, I think that things might be different mood-wise. But the feel-good has kind of carried over, and that's something that, strangely enough, we've been turning to the Bills for lately, where this was a team that had a 17-year playoff drought, and we had to turn to the Sabres for our reasons of optimism. The roles have switched. The Bills are the team that is the one that's making you feel better about yourself, making you feel better about what's going on. And they play the Patriots in what is the measuring stick game. We don't know what's going to happen. We've seen this story before. We don't know what's going to happen. Jonathan and Alden, thank you for waiting patiently, my man. You're on the nightcap. Derek and Kyle, what's going on, man? Hey, Derek. Hey, Kyle. Before I make my point about the Bills, I disagree with you about the Sabres. I am pretty optimistic. I mean, we have a new coach, and, hey, a good coach can really turn franchises around. Look at what Craig Berube did to St. Louis. Look at what Rod Brindamore did to Carolina, what um, Barry Trotz did to the Islanders. But about the Bills, overall, I am liking the direction the Bills are going in. But I don't think we're going to win this Sunday. I think it's going to be New England 24-21. But the Bills have put themselves in a position to take over the division when Brady and Belichick finally retire. The question is, when the hell will Brady and Belichick retire? But I'm feeling pretty good about both Buffalo sports teams. I think Pagula's got to learn how to be a good owner, and I'm hopeful for the future. Jonathan, thanks for calling. And, uh, yeah, it's it's strange to feel good about everything. Granted, the Sabres could go ahead and do what they've done over the past couple of years and betray us all and uh, make us feel bad again. But I put the question up on Twitter. <laughs> he said, why do I feel good about this team and not – like, everything's going to be a hot piece of garbage. And some responses on uh, Twitter are uh, they are pretty good. They're pretty mixed, though. Some of them excited about most of the summer. We're Buffalo fans. Why, don't we overhype all of our teams? Yes, yes, we do. That is absolutely right. You're absolutely right. You called all of us out on that, but I don't care. Um, guilty. I'll take that. And some people saying, like, they're optimists, but they still don't feel good about the Sabres because of what they've done over the past couple of years. It still, it still seems like there's a mixed reaction with the Sabres, whereas the Bills right now, it's just full send. It's, it's strange to have this sort of conversation about how good you feel about these teams, how 
you really think that there is going to be something different here. The Bills, this schedule, the rest of this schedule for this season, I'm really only seeing three legitimate threats of teams. The Patriots, who you have to deal with twice, Baltimore and Dallas. Philadelphia, sorry, Kyle, they're kind of a hot and cold team. You saw the good version of them against Green Bay. But you also see a secondary that is riddled with not only injuries, but ineffective play as well. But other than that, what's the next biggest worry outside of uh, Philadelphia? Mason Rudolph's Pittsburgh? Cleveland? Whatever Cleveland might be by November. And that's it. Other than that, you've got only three major threats. You have to play one of them twice. One this Sunday. But I think there really is a chance that you can see this team making the postseason simply based off of the fact that they've already stashed three in their pocket. And you've got a mostly generous schedule. I'm ready for this. And I'm here's the stupid thing, Kyle. I'm mentioning that I'm protecting myself with the Bills Patriots game. By the by the time Sunday reaches, I'm going to talk myself into let's go. They can win this thing. I'm stupid. Um, oh, you always do. I do you this to are, myself all the damn time. You are wound like the Tasmanian devil by the time I get in here in the but, afternoon. Yes, but at the same time, those aren't the Patriots games. Because they usually turn me miserable by halftime. Because that's always how it goes. What Tom Brady said was right. Sadly. That it does turn into Patriots fans by the fourth quarter. Because we always seem to just get kicked in. And I hate it. But right now it looks like this is a defense that over the past couple of years has been shown to truly tr- frustrate Tom Brady. And you just couldn't get enough on the offensive side of the football. Be it injuries to your quarterbacks, ineffectiveness by them, and just relatively a not-as-talented offense compared to the last couple of years. And now this one comes in. You've got John Brown, who has been looking very sharp. Cole Beasley is a very nice middle option for you. Who knows? Was the Dawson-Knox game a coming-out party, or was it a just a moniker for that game? It was the Dawson-Knox game for Cincinnati. I don't know. There's a whole lot of I don't know going on here, and the Patriots are a great way to find out some answers. Maybe that's what I'm most excited about, Kyle, is that we know that we don't truly know about this team. Here's what I do know about the Bills. They are the league leader in heart attacks caused by a team to their fan base because, for some reason, they've had to implement drama in each of their first three games. They keep you coming back. You never know what you're going to see. (laughs) It's ridiculous, but at the same time, other than that, what do we truly know about this team? The defense is good. Well, how good? Tom Brady's coming in. Josh Allen looks better in his second year. Well, how much better? Patriots are coming in. You're playing a team that doesn't have a terrible defense. I mean, you did in week one with the Jets, and there were four turnovers. You see what I mean? Like, we don't know. Devin Singletary looks awesome. Well, I mean, he's got an injury he's dealing with with a hammy. I honestly don't want to see them rushing him back. 
I like the fact that you're trying to play a little gamesmanship with Singletary against Bill Belichick and making him you have to prepare for Devin Singletary in the lineup. Because through three games, I may not know a lot, but I do know that Devin Singletary has been the most valuable piece of their offense. They did not get going with the Jets until Singletary started going off. Singletary got going early against the Giants. And against the Bengals, he went ahead and just... No, no, he didn't face the Bengals. I'm stupid. Uh, but against the Giants, like he was going off again. And then late, that's when he turned it on. And then he got hurt. And everyone's like, oh, God, no, please, not him, not him. Already two games in. Because he was looking that impressive. We have a whole lot of things to figure out on Sunday. And I think that is the truly exciting thing about this. Because like it's been said, the Patriots' combined opponents are 0-9 right now. But you know something else? They've established a reputation. Oh, and they're the defending Super Bowl champions. They have been the, they have been the model of consistency throughout the years. They are the team that we hate so much because of the fact that they are good. And you want it to end. But you also really want to win a game when Tom Brady has started a game from start to finish. You've done that twice in his entire career. Not cool. Get it done. Please. I'm not expecting it, but damn it, I want it. I want it a lot. And I want to beat Tom Brady. Simple as that. 803-0551, For some reason, I'm feeling good about things. Should I? Is it wrong to think that? I don't know. Why don't you give me a call and find out? You can call me a ridiculous person for this sort of thing. I mean, hey, who knows? Tom, you're on the nightcap. What's going on, man? Tom, do we got you? Gentlemen. There we go. Let me ask you this. Let me ask you this. Based on New England's loss to Denver in the AFC championship game, and based on what kept them from coming back and beating the Giants, in the first Super Bowl in which they faced each other, what was it that stopped Tom Brady? Natural pass rush, rushing four. It was, yeah, it was pressure, pressure up the middle, and the threat of getting hit. So let me ask you this, knowing that, what would Bill Belichick do if he was facing Tom Brady? Now, Bill Belichick has sort of a win-at-all-costs approach to things. He would, I do not advocate injuring any player, but he might, you know, just encourage his guys just to maybe bump Brady to the ground late, maybe a little bit more than a bump, just to get in his head because Tom Brady, we know, does not like to be hit. Tom, I'm going to cut you off real quick, and I'm going to ask you this question. Do you like unsportsmanlike 15-yard penalties because you remember you're hitting Tom Brady? I know. The dude gets all the calls. The thing is, I'm not even risking hitting him late. I think, I think the thing is, though, that the tide is starting to turn against the, the Patriots because people are kind of realizing that the whole hitting the quarterback late rule has been adjusted to Tom Brady. No, it hasn't. And you can't. It's, 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 it's about Tom Brady. 
Exactly. It's about Tom Brady, and that's the problem is the the man was the reason that a lot of these rules came out, Tom. I There's no way that I'm even risking trying to send a message to a guy that has been able to get the calls because of the fact that he is one of the premier quarterbacks of the of the league still in his 40s. There's no way I'm risking this sort of thing. Do I want to make him uncomfortable? Sure, but I have to make sure that it is within the confines of him holding the football. And that is something that it's a dangerous thing that you have to tow. And like I said, I want to beat Brady, and I want it to be because we beat Tom Brady. Okay, but let's go back. Let's go back to. I mean, again, I'm not advocating injuring him. But back in the day, when Fran Tarkington, this is not that day. This is not that day anymore, Tom. I know. I know. But the thing is, is that is that it's. I'm just saying that that a 15 yarder is a 15 yarder, right? And you're giving the Patriots free yards, which is something that these that Bills teams in the past have done. And Rex Ryan infuriated his teams infuriated me to no point because of the fact that they would always get these dumb 15-yard penalties and give the Patriots free yardage. Next thing you know, we lose 38 to 17 because of the fact that we have not been able to get a rally on the rest of their defense. Tom, I appreciate the fact that you're trying to come in with a different approach, but it doesn't make any sense. This is not something, this is not we're trying to send a message to new superstar Patrick Mahomes. This is Tom Brady, the same jerk that has been terrorizing us for the last 20 years, is the guy who keeps getting these kinds of calls. Tom Brady got rocked one time on a clean hit by Nate Clements, and his helmet flew off. That gets a 15-yarder nowadays. That is something that happens. Do not give the Patriots free yardage. That is the dumbest thing, point-blank period, that you can do against the New England Patriots is shoot yourself in the foot. The dumbest thing. I appreciate you calling, Tom. And I'm sorry I have to say it like that. But the worst thing you can do against the New England Patriots is go ahead and punch yourself in the groin. And 15-yard penalties against the New England Patriots are exactly how that happens. Exactly how it happens. I'm fired up. Bill's Patriots. Not to mention, I mean, what is he now, 42? Brady? Yeah, he's still he's still one of the top players in the league. I, I again, like you said, I appreciate the sentiment, and I mean, at this point, under this regime and under this dynasty, you're coming up with any idea under the sun doing something that hasn't been done before. You try and get pressure on that cat, that ball's coming out anyway, because I'm pretty sure he's still in the top five of release time, getting that ball out. The defense, the Bills' defense under Sean McDermott has been good at making him a little miserable and uncomfortable. Three touchdowns, four interceptions in four games. Right, so maybe you already have a formula. You have a formula. Why the hell am I risking a 15-yard penalty and free yards, which turn into free points? Because, again, this is the Patriots we're talking about. That is $200, pass, go, go around the board again. You go to jail, you do not collect $200 on the on the other hand of it. Well, it depends who you're talking about. Well, yeah, like the Patriots, you get to go, pass, go, here's your 200 And then the Bills, it's you go right to jail. There's no get-out-of-jail-free card because you keep handing them yards, and that turns into points because, again, it is the New England Patriots. Cannot do that. Cannot do that. Well, here it is. I'm, I'm fired up, and we are not even close to game day. I have to wait a whole another day first in order to get to there? This is going to be rough. 
But how are you feeling about it? I'm feeling all right. I'm feeling ready to go. I'm feeling hyped. I'm amped. I'm ready for this thing. Let's let it be Sunday at 1 o'clock. Let's get it. Derek Kramer, Kyle Powell, this is the Nightcap. Filling in for Sneaky Joe tonight here on WGR. Tune in is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. The clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here. On TuneIn, go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. We'll be moving with more of a view to look at our depth on Saturday than with a lineup that will start against Pittsburgh. I think it's important to see who we want to look at, what we need to look at, keep that competition alive till after the game on Saturday. The Krugs, Ralph Kruger talking about the lineup that's going to be in for the preseason game on Saturday and that went at 4 o'clock against the Pittsburgh Penguins this is the nightcap Derek Kramer, Kyle Powell joining you here filling in for the sneak tonight and it's interesting that you came back with that quote Kyle because there are a lot of questions about the bottom six which last year they were very loud concerns that you had to worry about Actually, it was just the outside of the top line you had to worry about consistent production. But the bottom six of this roster is something that fans have wanted to see a little bit of a retooling of, and then you see qualifying offers in the offseason for Zemgis Gergensen, Johan Larson, both of them coming back. You see the fact that, you know, they do add some other players, though, in the likes of Jimmy Bc, Curtis Lazar. Both of those players are challenging for this sort of thing. Rasmus Asplund is a guy that had will probably be in the lineup tomorrow in the preseason game and someone that they want to see, does he stick around for the first couple of games? People were thinking that Dylan Cousins was going to get a nine-game tryout and then he didn't, and he was sent down. I was a little surprised by that. I thought Cousins played well enough that he was going to earn that nine-game call-up. But a lot of people suspected he would end up being back in junior this year, so I'm okay with this. You know, it's one of these things that, yeah, you miss out on having that nine games, but at the same time, if people are only saying that he's looking at getting the nine games, does that mean you can bank on him being on the roster? No, you can't. So Kyle and I were talking over the break. We were like, okay, what do we want to do with this? And I'm like, you know what? Let's draw up some lines because there's something about drawing up the lines that you want to see for the opening night roster that you hope happen. And this allows us to uh, have some real conversations about the bottom six because I've got a sneaking suspicion that no person, no Sabres fans' bottom six, if they wanted to draw up lines, is going to look the same. Not a chance. There's no way that this is the sort of thing that can happen here. And with the hockey music, I think Kyle is saying, we begin. So I'm going to take it. I'm going first because I, th- I have it all written down. Yes, I will follow your lead, because I am still in the process of using my left hand to write on this paper. That's interesting. Are you left-handed? Yeah, I have been since, you know, I started learning how to write. Well, that's good, then. Because <laughs> otherwise, that wouldn't be good if you were trying to write on your offhand. Or that would be impressive, that you're just ambidextrous like that. 
Line one for me is the same as what it looks like in practice right now. Eichel, Reinhardt, and Olofsson. I mean, do I think that Reinhardt could be on his own line and give him his own gunner and Jeff Skinner, for example? Yes, I do think that that's something that could happen. But the good news is, is that they signed Marcus Johansson in the offseason. A guy that I was championing for, and the Sabres brought him in. And I was thrilled when that happened. And he is the 2C with Jeff Skinner. The only difference I want to see... Uh, I mean, come on, let's be real. I don't want Vladimir Saboka as the second-line winger. Come on, Krugs, what are you doing to me here? Is this because he wants to see more evaluation from these other players, perhaps? And then he goes on to a different line heading into the regular season? I suspect yes. And that's why I think that Connor Sherry ends up on the wing with Johansson and Skinner on the second line. Third line, I think Middlestat's down the middle there. Jimmy Vesey and Kyle Oposo will be on that third line there. Then the fourth line, this is where things will get a little different for you. Evan Rodriguez, Vladimir Saboka, and Curtis Lazar are my fourth line. My extras, Scott Wilson, and Johan Larson. Wait, did I say Larson? What did I, oh, no, it was Saboka, Rodriguez, and Lazar as my fourth line. So my extras are Wilson and Larson. Down in Rochester, Remy Ellie and Zemgis Gergensens. But the first call-up is Tage Thompson. I would rather see him early on in the top six of Rochester than seeing him on the fourth line in Buffalo. And I think if Tage Thompson continues to have a strong game in the AHL like he did to end last year, then he will be back. Rasmus Asplund also would end up in Rochester, but I think that him and Thompson would be your first two call-ups in case of injury. Defense. I'm going to see what... I'm interested. I watched the game Wednesday. I'm intrigued enough to see if Darlene and Ristolainen could be the top pairing. I do want to see Ristolainen's minutes get cut, though, in 5-on-5. Five five. So maybe I would go Darlene, Yoki Haru, and McCabe, Ristolainen, and then Scandella with Colin Miller. My extra is actually going to be Gilmore, not Casey Nelson. So you have taken stock in how well he's looked this preseason. I ha- guys been fast. Reviews about the guys. Yeah, he's he can fly fast, and that's good for if you have an aggressive player like, for example, Yoki Haru. He is very aggressive on the pinch, and a guy like Gilmore, his speed could be valuable in that sort of instance. So that would mean that Nelson ends up in Rochester. Will Borgen, who's probably going to get a good look tomorrow afternoon, and then you've got the injured defenseman of Zach Bogosian and Lawrence Pilot. What is Brandon Montour's latest? I do not know. He is a crucial, integral part of how I wish to put my lines together, and I have not heard anything since, and I don't want to sound like a fool, assuming, but I believe the latest was out of preseason but we don't know about the start of the season. I, I haven't heard anything about good news of a returning right in time for the start of the season. Interesting. Yes. But that does mean an added wrinkle. Because when Montour comes back, we have two questions we have to ask. One is, what's the line is still on this roster? Do they finally get a deal done because the RFA market is figured out? And the Jets, for example, figure out their cap space when they get Kyle Connor signed. Yes, I know. I'm continuing to talk about this. I will not drop it. Do not ask me to drop it. 
Does that mean that Scandella turns into the seven and Montour is in the lineup and you've got, oh man, that top six, that, that six defenseman would actually look really good then. Darlene, Yoki Haru, McCabe, Miller. And then you add Montour to the mix. Maybe you play Gilmore over Scandella. Please let that happen. Please. I'm okay with this. Who knows? All right, Kyle. Assume that Brandon Montour is not ready for the start of the season. Okay, I've officially assumed. All right. I am here for Skinner, Jack Eichel, Victor Olofsson on a line one. Okay. I think it would just be a rough Who look. Who plays for your... on the right? Olofsson. Okay. I don't think it would be the greatest look. I understand you're not here to save face all the time, but as an organization, after you push so hard to get a guy like Skinner signed for the amount of time and the amount of term, I think you got to keep him. We've talked about this before. Keep your best players happy. He's got a thing going. He's driving with, uh, with Jack. And... I hate, again, that it feels like Reinhardt's the odd man out with the chemistry he's built with Jack But he can drive. Years, he can drive play. But he can drive play, which is where I bring in my second line, where I think Connor Sheary, Marcus Johansson, Sam Reinhardt, line two. I don't hate that. Okay. And then I've got a similar third line to you, only I didn't start Tage Thompson in Rochester. Okay. Because I like what I'm hearing from him. I like what he did in the end of the season last year for Rochester. He did a good showing. And then hearing a lot this offseason that he's bulked up and he's sort of growing more into his body. I'm intrigued by that, at least. So your third line's probably, what, 37, 72, 13 with VC? Yes. Okay. That's correct. VC, Mitz, and Tager. The Rage and Tager. And then uh, Scott The Streets Wil of Tage. Well played. And then Scott Wilson, Evan Rodriguez, Kyle Ocposo make up the fourth line with Johan Larson. And, yeah, I'm glad you said this because I was going to mention his name. A little chippy guy here in the preseason, like what I've been seeing, fighting for a little spot here. Curtis Lazar intrigues me as well. Lazar, I think, makes this roster. Yeah. Or he should. He's, he's been pretty impressive. He's a versatile piece. He has talent that you could probably throw him in on a third-line role if there's an injury to someone. I'm intrigued to see what they do with Curtis Lazar. So what do you got on the back end there? Defensively, I mentioned earlier, opening night, I don't expect to see Donnelly and Aristolainen together on the first line. I do expect to see Donnelly in there, but I do really like the player that is Colin Miller. Yes. And I think his speed and puck possession numbers and zone entries and everything else that goes into a good defenseman, I think that'll play really well if he was paired with a guy like Darlene. So I'm, I, I want to see that pair. I think that's very cool. Jake McCabe, Rasmus Aristolainen, second pairing. I know it can go either way, but you got a couple guys that are at least used to playing with one another. Mm -hmm. And then Scandella and Henry Yoki Haru, because I don't have right shot Brandon Montour quite yet in the mix for this game we're playing as of right now. We I know. saw that pairing on Wednesday, Yoki Haru and uh, Scandella. And like I said, the aggressive tendencies of Yoki Haru make me a little nervous if Scandella is his guy uh, next to him, because I, I don't think that Scandella's got enough of the speed to really be sure to keep up with everything if a two-on-one has to break for example and i think in that situation you know these obviously are not a finished product we have players coming back from injuries that will eventually get back into the mix if you got to get by with a scandela yoki haru type defensive pairing for a couple of games or maybe a month or so then you may just have to bite that bullet because you know 
Brandon Montour and Lawrence Pilot are at least coming back into the mix. Yeah, and Lawrence Pilot, I think, would it, this this is ripe for Lawrence Pilot to get back on track in the AHL. This is very ripe for Lawrence Pilot. Get a couple games back under your belt. Play yourself a little bit in the AHL so that you can see how you're feeling from coming back from injury. Knock the rust off, and then we'll see where we're at with our roster from there. But with Bogosian and, to a lesser extent, Montour out, there are spots that are going to have to be now question marks when those guys come back. Do we just end up with more injuries and you just plug and play? Maybe. That's sometimes how hockey goes. But perhaps this could be an interesting conversation to be having when these players come back down the line. All I know is bring it on. Let's see this season get started here. But in the meantime, the Bills and the Patriots is Sunday. And I cannot wait for more of this. I The measuring stick is here. How good are the Bills going to end up being? That's the question that we're all going to ask ourselves here. And that's probably the question that we're hoping to have answers for on Sunday. Because the last thing I want is the Bills to lose, for example, 38-13. to 13, And then we just go, oh, is this team just terrible again? I don't want that to be the response that we get out of this. Keep it tight, boys. See what we've got. Maybe even pull a win out of there. I don't know. But who knows what we've got. What I do know is that it's exciting. And then maybe the Bills, hopefully, the peak scenario could be the Bills being 4-0 as the Sabres start their season. That would probably be the most ideal thing in the world, wouldn't you think? Who knows? This has been the Nightcap. I'm Derek Kramer. Been joined by Kyle Powell. We've been taking the place of the sneak for tonight's episode. And thank you for listening to us. Last call on the other side of the Nightcap here on WGR. Well, it turns out I just channeled Nate Geary and Howard Simon because we are late we got to move fast here. Adam, you're on the last call here on the nightcap. You're coming in hot. Hey, how's it going? Um, who I turned in about 15 minutes ago. Who was going on this epic rant that I heard? I, I briefly just heard it. I was on the app, and then all of a sudden I heard it, right? and I just really got interested. Um, it was regarding the Patriots. Oh, this probably was me. I tend to get ranty. Okay. Um, anyway, um, I just think I, I think there was parts of it that were, you know, by the caller that had a validity. Um, I've never seen a league, this league, um, players getting more with getting away with more penalties, more and more um, than right now. I mean, even going back to last night's game, I mean, look at that those blatant pass interference. The Rams going to the Super Bowl. Um, I mean, people are just getting away with like le- cheap shots left and right. I mean, I don't know if you saw the Miles Sanders right in front of a ref gets literally spun around, his helmet taken off. Um, I agree with bringing extra pressure. I don't ever agree with giving away penalties, but I mean. I don't know. We, we don't lose by one 15-yard, two 15-yard penalties. We lose by 30 points, and our offense has not been able to keep up. And the one way to beat, to beat Brady is to bring pressure. And I agree with the one thing I agree with the caller is, if it was Belichick, he would advise that, but he also has the quarterback to back it up. So, I mean, I don't know if we're there yet. Um, I just, you know, I, 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 hope, I hope Sunday with the validation that we're actually a good team but I've just been watching this show for 15 years, and I, I want to believe it. But, I mean, you know, 
I'm a, I'm an optimist, but I've just been in that stadium way too many times when we're losing by 20, 30, and Belichick's running up the score for absolutely no reason, you know? Yeah, and trust me, Adam, I get it. Protect your heart. But uh, I can't believe I have to say this again. The, the one thing you brought up, though, with the penalties and the players getting away with calls right now is this. All of those players that you've mentioned were not quarterbacks. And refs tend to be more trigger-happy when a quarterback is hit more times than not than in other cases. And especially with the likes of a player that has the prestige of a Tom Brady is going to tend to get more of those calls than, say, even Josh Allen. We saw the play where Henry Anderson goes ahead and runs in the back of his leg, and it's like, dude, come on, get get that trash out of here. So I can't believe I have to say it again. The Bills have been doing fine with Tom Brady lately. They've been fine. I don't have time for a rant. We got to go. Bills and Patriots, the battle of 3-0 this Sunday. We've got pregame starting at 7 a.m. Myself, I will be there with Lou DiBiase. And good, good work here, Kyle. I like this. Good way to end it. Some epic music for what I hope is an epic showdown. If you're out there, be responsible. But also bring the noise. Because we need it and we gotta have it. Avoid certain objects from flying onto the field. And let's get it. Hopefully for 4-0. and oh. Sports Talk Saturday coming back here tomorrow. Inside High School Sports will be the first thing you hear local programming-wise. 10 a.m. tomorrow morning. Then Sports Talk Saturday, 11-2. to 2. Then Sabres-Penguins preseason action at 4 p.m. tomorrow. And then pregame starting 7 a.m. Myself, Derek Kramer, and Lou DiBiase get it going for you. And then we do not stop until 8 p.m., including in the middle of that at 1 o'clock kickoff with Bills and Patriots. Thank you for listening to the Nightcap. Sneaky Joe will be back with you guys next week on Monday. For Kyle Powell, I'm Derek Kramer. Thank you for listening. This is WGR. Tune in is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. The clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You said my word. Podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to tunein.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening.